Now, this morning, I am not continuing with the series um, that we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I have times, maybe it's just getting a little bit older where I wake up in the night, although last night it was his fault. So I'm not going to point any fingers. But so I was up from about 3.30 because my son couldn't sleep and he decided to share that joy. (laughs) So, but, you know, let me tell you, those moments are actually amazing opportunities. I actually love the early hours of the morning when nobody is about because there is a, a, a quietness and a silence there that just seems to make it easier to connect with God. And a couple of weeks ago, God woke me up at that time and I just spent some time seeking God. And these thoughts that I'm sharing this morning, they all came out of that time. There's just a flow within 20 minutes where I just felt God say so many things and I just wrote them down. uh, And some of it comes into this sermon that I'm sharing this morning. And I want to start with the words of a really famous hymn. Now, I've called this morning Jars of Clay, um, and some of you will know that refers to um, a scripture in Corinthians. Um, Let me read it to you. It says in Corinthians, but we have this treasure. What's it talking about? It's talking about the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. And it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. And and right off the bat, I want to encourage you this morning that if the burden that God puts on you is too much, it's designed to be too much because we are jars of clay. And this power is so much greater. And as I was sitting there in the morning, a 1776 hymn came to mind. And now I'm not that old, But we used to sing it a lot. Anybody remember the hymn, Rock of Ages? Yeah, few of us. Those of you who are under the age of 40, probably not. But especially stanza three really impacted me. And it says this. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me saviour or I die. What an amazing, amazing uh, set of words put together. And all of the stanza are equally powerful, but this one really spoke to me. That, That there is... This sense, you know, when you think about this treasure in jars of clay, quite often we think we bring something to the party with God. And let me tell you, we don't. We don't. Nothing in my hand I bring. Nothing. Nothing in my hand I bring. This hymn demonstrates such a complete dependence upon God. We depend on God. And when we can't cope, it's very often a sign that we're not depending, but we're depending upon ourselves. And Jesus says, hey, come. Have you ever been confused by that scripture in Isaiah, come buy and eat, you who have no money? 
and go, huh? How can I buy and eat if I have no money? Because he supplies. Nothing in my hand I bring. Nothing. 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 There is a recognition that there is no good in us. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling, because there is nothing in me that is good. The supply comes from God. John the Baptist made this statement. He said about Jesus, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And the secret of walking in peace and joy is a recognition that we don't have what it takes, but he does. And his supply means it will work for us. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, we know this really well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Think about that for a moment. Do not depend on your own understanding. One of the things I love about the prophets in the Old Testament is they never dared to give their own opinion. You notice that? Somebody will come to Jeremiah or Isaiah and they will say, ask the Lord, what does the Lord say about this? And and they say nothing. They go away, seek God, and then maybe after 10 days or 20 days, God will say something. The only guy who didn't do that was King Saul and he lost his kingdom because of it. Because he presumed. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. I mean, we could emblazon that. Let me ask you this morning, are you seeking the will of God in absolutely everything that you're doing? In your working life, in your relationship life, in your circumstances and situations, are you seeking his will? Because it says then, and he will show you which path to take. One of the challenges about being a pastor or a Christian leader is that quite often 90% of people's problems stem out of the fact that they've made their own decisions independent of God and they now have to live with those consequences. It's about handing over the keys of your life and giving it to him. There is this amazing scripture in the Old Testament about Jacob and a place called Peniel, or Peniel, however you want to say it. And it's about a point in time where Jacob encountered God, and he was forever changed. Not not just changed that God said, no longer will you be Jacob, you will be Israel, but he was physically lamed in the process. Have you ever thought about that? Jacob's encounter with God left him limping. I I try and work out this theology. Hold on a minute. I thought if I meet with God, I'm to be blessed. Did you know that anywhere in the Bible where somebody encounters God or an angel, they are not jumping with joy, they are on the ground cringing in fear saying, don't kill me. Because God is so glorious. Because God is so amazing and so powerful. And I want to say to you this morning that walking away from an encounter with God is where the power begins to flow. 
is where the change begins to come. But in each of our lives, this encounter is different and God sends a trigger. A circumstance or a happening that shows you what your heart is like. And then you will feel like Peter who cried out, Oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see the filth of the sin in your own life. That's why we bring nothing. That's why he brings us to nothing. He brings us to desperation, even to despair. You might be sitting there thinking, Simon, I'm in such despair spiritually. What is going on? Let me tell you, God is breaking you and God is saying, this is so you do not trust in your own strength. Because until you reach that position, you will always try to fix it. You will use your gift and your strength and your money and your wisdom and God says, nothing in your hand. Come with nothing. Give it all to him. Let go, don't resist, confess it all to him. Speak it out. You know, I've been learning again about the power of speaking out your prayers. I would say one spoken prayer is worth 500 in your mind, in your heart prayers. Because there is a power. Did you know that when God made the earth, he was on his own? So why did he say? Why did he not think? Because there is power in the spoken word and we are made in the image of God and when we speak those things out they have power give everything to Jesus don't resist confess it repent and then one by one hand everything to him let me read the story to you about Jacob During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons, and, pardon me, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. 
For he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. You know, an encounter with God may well injure you. I want to, to mention to you briefly about Jacob's context. Jacob had just fled from his uncle Laban, who wanted to then kill him and take everything from him, but God intervened. And he was going back to his brother Esau, who the last time he saw him said, next time I see you, you are dead. Now, let me ask you, when you're in a context where you're just about to face a battle, do you want to be physically limping? My answer is no. So he's met with God, he's going to face his brother, his brother has threatened to kill him, and he thinks, thanks Lord, I am now limping. But you know what, he didn't need to worry. You see, it's about sending everything to the other side. It's about being left alone. Sending over your family, your possessions, your job, your present and your future, giving it all to him. It may leave you feeling weak, but you will feel lighter because the burden will go. And then it's resolving to do nothing without him. <coughs> In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now let me ask you a question. Do you feel that the yoke is easy and the burden is light? And you may well answer, no, Simon, it feels pretty heavy. So what's the answer here? The answer is, is that we're probably not in his yoke. We're in our own. We're making the decisions. We're deciding where to go. I mean, you've seen a yoke. A yoke is kind of this shape, yeah? And often there were two together because they put two oxen together. And then on it were attached the reins and the guy at the back could pull and the oxen would go whichever way the yoke went. And so the idea is this, is that you take off your own, you put on Jesus's, and he's at the back there making the decision, says, no, Simon, this way, not that way. And actually, it's simple. I mean, let me ask you, do you think oxen have a high IQ? And yet, when you look at the ploughed fields, they're amazing. But you know, it's not the oxen. It's the person behind with the reins that is keeping it in the straight and narrow and it, it pulling it here and there. And so often we kind of think, well, I need to be in control of my life. I need to make sure that I'm doing what I want to do. You know, that's relativism. Relativism is all about, I am following my own truth and Jesus says, it's my truth you need to follow. You need to put my yoke on. Because when you put my yoke on, you are taking away all the responsibility and you are throwing it back to Jesus who's got the reins and says, okay, I'm sorting it out now. We have to trust him. Every decision, every moment, it is the easy way. 
And I know people will say, well, it doesn't seem to work out like that. But nine times out of ten, we don't give God time. I'm really sorry, and I'm not pointing at anybody. Maybe I should just look somewhere else for a moment. But the challenge of the spiritual life is that you must give time to God. You've got to. If you don't give time to God, if you're not reading the Scriptures, if you're not in prayer and seeking God, then all you are left to are your own thoughts and your own ideas and all of the information that the world pumps at you. And so the yoke that he talks about is saying we give it all to God. You know, the image of jars of clay carrying treasure and the oxen ploughing this amazing field is very similar because actually it's not about the oxen, it's not about the jar, it's about who is holding the reins and what is in the jar. And God gives it to us by his spirit. Now what is the result when we take on the yoke of God? Well the result is we don't fight with ourselves. You ever do that? You're fighting with yourself. You know what you should but there's this battle that rages in. Why does the fighting cease? Because the Lord is here. And we say well what are you saying? We give ourselves to him and then what happens is that peace floods our soul. We slow down. We don't look for the answer in ourselves, but we look to him every moment. And then there an amazing thing happens. From that point on, everything we do becomes an opportunity. An opportunity to prove him, to prove his supply. Instead of trying to refresh others from our own well or our own cistern, we lead people to the well of living water that is Jesus Christ. It flows from within us. Faith is outworked in and through us at every moment. Why? Because he's got the reins. It's not about one big cataclysmic moment where people come into church and it's about a small activity every single day. It's in every task and every conversation. It's called living by faith. If you look at the life of Jesus, the life of the Apostle Paul and Peter and the others, you know, they didn't plan any of these things. You know, Philip... The only thing he planned is he was going to go, because he was an evangelist, he was going to go through some towns and he was going to spread the gospel. But as he was doing, the Spirit said to him, go over to that guy next to his chariot. I mean, I don't know what he did. He must have been fairly fit because he was, you know, chariots aren't stationary. And the guy was reading Isaiah 53. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, I need somebody to tell me. He says, well, I'll do that. And then the guy... Ethiopian eunuch, gets saved, gets baptised in water, and when he's finished there, the spirit whisks him off. I mean, it must have been an amazing sight. I mean, I'm just trying to picture how on earth did that... I mean, did he kind of spin like this off? He didn't plan that. He just did what the guy with the rain said, hey, left a bit, right a bit, straight ahead. And God directed everything that he did. In Philippians 4, we find these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. You know, I I pray that over each of us. You know, the ox is not anxious. You know what? I bet the ox isn't even bothered what's happening with the field. Just getting on with it. The ox doesn't stop and say, oh, that doesn't look very straight. That's not his job. It's just to get on with it. The Lord is at hand. He is with us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And everything by prayer. Every morning we get up and we say, Lord, what's happening today? What's on your agenda today? I'm the ox, I'm putting that yoke on this morning. Where are we going? Well, it's not this field today, it's that field over there. What are we doing in everything by prayer? How does that work in the workplace? Well, you you pray and say, Lord, today, you lead me. And all of a sudden you have a conversation with someone and you sense God is there in the conversation. You have a moment, you've had those. We've all had those moments. It's about a dependence on God, everything in prayer. We don't speak or act until we have lifted it to Father and then we trust in him to supply and the supply is the result of faith. And this jar that is made of clay has this amazing treasure that impacts and blesses other people. Imagine a life where the only thing you need to concern yourself about is staying connected to Jesus. That's all you've got to worry about. It's the easy yoke and the light burden. He'll take care of the rest. Pray for a moment. Seek it. You know, brokenness, this sense of trusting God, will only happen when we are brought to a brink of a place where we recognise we can't do it. You know, as children get older, they kind of say, I can do this. Yeah. And it's only when it fails that they say, I can't do this. And God brings us to that place. Now, let me tell you, it is a tough place. And sometimes people react to it badly, but it's there to bring us to a position of trust in God. If you know that you can't do it, you're not going to attempt to do it in the flesh, and that is a good thing. Let the pressure build until there is no alternative but to hand it to him. There were two sisters in the Bible, Mary and Martha. And Mary had her eyes on Jesus and sitting by Jesus, And Martha was thinking about the practicality of everything that needed to be done. And Martha got really angry with Jesus and said, my sister's not helping and you are not urging her to help me. Why not? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not 
be taken from her. I want to encourage you this morning, don't be an anxious Martha, worried about so many things. If you remember the parable of the sower, one of the seeds is unfruitful because of the cares of this world. And I want to say to you that with the increasing pressure in society and government and whatever else is coming down the line, it is going to be very easy to have faith and the seed that God places in us to be unfruitful because the cares of this world overwhelm us. And the only way we can deal with that is to keep bringing it back to him, is to sit at his feet and not worry about that. I imagine that for Mary, actually, she had to overcome an urge to help her sister. But she recognised that being with the Lord was more important than food on the table at that event. And we need to recognise that being with the Lord is more important than all the other things that go on in society. And so we need to hand it over. And when we hand our lives over to him, we can expect him to be at every turn. We can look for him in every situation. We can listen for his voice and his leading in every conversation that we have. We can trust that he will work not just in us, but through us. We can bring to him every task and every challenge. We can pass on to him every burden and every problem and he will make the path straight. What I love about that scripture, he will make the path straight. It's back to the oxen. The oxen doesn't make the path straight. The Lord makes the path straight. If the oxen has a problem with a hoof or, 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 or with, with a shoe or whatever on, then the Lord will take care of it. Our task is seeking him each moment. It's ensuring that we understand that he works in and through us and we are jars of clay with this treasure. You know, I want to pray that the Lord will help you to grasp a hold of this. It's going to be a key for us in moving forward. It's a key for us to live day by day because if we do not take on his yoke, and we take on the yoke that the world wants to give us, it's going to be mayhem. You know, I, I, I've, I've been really saddened at just how detrimental the news on the television is to people's mental health. Just listening to all the shenanigans that go on. And, and what do we do? No, we look to Jesus. My life is in his hands. I was doing a study yesterday and in the study asked this question. It, it had gone through all the things that Jesus is God. How do we know Jesus is God? Well, he healed people. He had authority over the elements. He told the storm to cease. He walked on water. He cast out demons and he did it all in his own name. And so Jesus is God. And then there came a question in this study that said, if Jesus is God... What does that mean for the way that you live your life today? Because ultimately it means actually it all belongs to him. And my role in life is saying, Lord, what do I do? If you go to nations that have leaders like China or North Korea, the people don't have a choice, they just do what the leader says. But even though Jesus is supreme ruler... 
His rule is when we choose to put ourselves under his authority. Gets back to the scripture that Ben shared about he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. We need to choose to dwell there. If you move yourself out from under the shelter, then the shadow of the Almighty will not be over you. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Nothing in your hand do you need to bring. Simply to the cross you cling. What does that mean, clinging to the cross? It means I'm clinging to the fact that Jesus is my all in all. He has achieved it all through his death and his resurrection and he now sits enthroned on high. What an amazing thing. And I believe that as we do this day by day, we will see God touching people in the little conversations we have here and there, in the shop, in the workplace, over the fence with the neighbour. And you know what? Can you imagine? There's just over 50 of us here. Can you imagine 50 people doing something little each day? That is more powerful than a massive event once a year or once a week. 50 people being used by God. Why? Because they trust Jesus behind. You know, the oxen cannot see the driver behind. Did you know that? They can't see him. They're trusting that whatever is coming is the right direction. Now, we're not in that position. We can fellowship and we can see Jesus, but there is an element of faith and trust that we trust him and how he directs us on a day-to-day basis. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. Lay down all of your burdens. I'm going to finish with this scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you.